Upon the half-decayed veranda of a small frame house that stood near the edge of a ravine near the town of Winesburg, Ohio, a fat little old man walked nervously up and down. Across a long field that had been seeded for clover, but that had produced only a dense crop of yellow mustard weeds, he could see the public highway along which went a wagon filled with berry pickers returning from the fields. The berry pickers, youths and maidens, laughed and shouted boisterously. A boy clad in a blue shirt leaped from the wagon and attempted to drag after him one of the maidens, who screamed and protested shrilly. The feet of the boy in the road kicked up a cloud of dust that floated across the face of the departing sun. Over the long field came a thin, girlish voice. "'Oh, you winged biddlebaum, comb your hair. It's falling into your eyes,' commanded the voice to the man, who was bald and whose nervous little hands fiddled about the bare white forehead as though arranging a mass of tangled locks. Wing Biddlebaum, forever frightened and beset by a ghostly band of louts, did not think of himself as in any way a part of the life of the town where he'd lived for twenty years. Among all the people of Winesburg, but one had come close to him. With George Willard, son of Tom Willard, the proprietor of the new Willard house, he'd formed something like a friendship. George Willard was the reporter on the Winesburg Eagle, and sometimes in the evenings he walked out along the highway to Wing Biddlebaum's house. Now, as the old man walked up and down on the veranda, his hands moving nervously about, he was hoping that George Willard would come and spend the evening with him. After the wagon containing the berry pickers had passed, he went across the field through the tall mustard weeds, and climbing a rail fence, peered anxiously along the road to the town. For a moment he stood thus, rubbing his hands together, and looking up and down the road, and then fear overcoming him, ran back to walk again upon the porch on his own house. In the presence of George Willard, Wing Biddlebaum, who for twenty years had been the town mystery, lost something of his timidity, and his shadowy personality, submerged in the sea of doubts, came forth to look at the world. With the young reporter at his side, he ventured in the light of day into Main Street, or strode up and down the rickety front porch of his own house, talking excitedly. The voice that had been low and trembling became shrill and loud. The bent figure straightened, with a kind of wriggle, like a fish returned to the brook by the fisherman, Biddlebaum, the silent, began to talk, striving to put into words the ideas that had been accumulated by his mind during long years of silence. Wing Biddlebaum talked much with his hands, the slender, expressive fingers, forever active, forever striving to conceal themselves in his pockets or behind his back, came forth and became the piston rods of his machinery of expression. The story of Wing Biddlebaum is a story of hands— their restless activity, like unto the beating of the wings of an imprisoned bird, had given him his name. Some obscure poet of the town had thought of it. The hands alarmed their owner. He wanted to keep them hidden away, and looked with amazement at the quiet and expressive hands of other men who worked beside him in the fields, or passed driving sleepy teams on country roads. When he talked to George Willard, Wing Biddlebaum closed his fists and beat them upon a table or on the walls of his house. The action made him more comfortable. If the desire to talk came to him when the two were walking in the fields, he sought out a stump or the top board of a fence, and with his hands pounding busily talked with renewed ease. The story of Wing Biddlebaum's hands is worth a book in itself. Sympathetically set forth, it would tap many strange, beautiful qualities in obscure men. It is a job for a poet. In Winesburg, the hands had attracted attention merely because of their activity— with them, Wing Biddlebaum had picked as high as a hundred and forty quarts of strawberries in a day. 
they became his distinguishing feature, the source of his fame. Also, they made more grotesque and already grotesque and elusive individuality. Weinsberg was proud of the hands of Wing Biddlebaum, in the same spirit in which he was proud of Banker White's new stone house and Wesley Moyer's bay stallion, Tony Tip that had won the 215 trot at the fall races in Cleveland. As for George Willard, he'd many times wanted to ask about the hands. At times an almost overwhelming curiosity had taken hold of him. He felt that there must be a reason for their strange activity and their inclination to keep hidden away, and only a growing respect for Wing Biddlebaum kept him from blurting out the questions that were often in his mind. Once he'd been on the point of asking...